Humanity is growing and connecting. Tomorrow's world needs more energy from more places. But to find our net zero future, we must overcome the natural constraints of many new energy sources. This is the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, where we look at the energy challenges of modern life and the innovators finding solutions. Join us for a low-carbon, high-energy conversation with your host, Joe Battier. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity. Hello, and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Battier. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. Now, I am recording an introduction to this episode. This episode, you will hear me speaking to guests live at the Methane Mitigation Summit. This was a conference summit that took place back in early December down in Houston, and OGGN had a booth there. We launched a new podcast and we were also recording a few episodes live. And we were also there on a panel talking about methane mitigation and just kind of our take on it coming from our position of being able to interview, talk to pretty much anybody and everybody out there in the energy industry. So all that to say, while there, I recorded with some attendees of the conference as well as some exhibitors and just got their take on a few different things, asking them what they did, what they were doing at the conference, how their specific technology was making a direct impact into decarbonization and methane mitigation, as well as seeing what they thought of the energy transition. Now, I am not going to go through each guest individually right now, but I do need to touch on one thing. I forgot to hit record. Anybody who's in podcasts know that that is one of those things that you lose sleep over, you have nightmares about, and that's always the best interview, the one that you end up not recording. And for me, my first guest that that I recorded at the summit, I did not record. So Matt Harrison, I am sorry. I did not get you recorded and on the podcast. And while all of my guests were great and all of them were the best interview I've ever had because each one was so amazing, Matt was was exceptional. And I want to just hit a few key points here that he made during that interview. The first thing that I noticed with Matt is that he was asking a lot of questions during the summit. He was asking very pointed questions on whether valuations or or hard number metrics on specific technologies that were being presented, or he was asking how does regulation XYZ or how does technology ABC impact this scenario that you're talking about. It was very, very interesting to see how he was contributing to the overall conversation at this summit 
driving ultimately further mitigation and further ideas on how we can mitigate methane. So I wanted to I wanted to thank Matt for that. And I did say that on the on the podcast. A few other key points is that really everything he was adding was very valuable insight and and valuable conversation. When it comes to specifically what he does, he's he works with SLR International Consulting. I am going to get Matt or somebody on the podcast again to talk all about SLR, what they do, and everything. The one thing I want to touch on here that Matt said, one of the questions I asked everybody who I interviewed is what does the energy transition mean to them or what, or how do they see the energy transition? Matt said that the energy transition is a fantasy. He went into this beautiful, eloquent answer of really when we talk about energy transition, and this is something other guests have said as well, the energy transition, when you look at it and how you look at it, ultimately gets down to the point of semantics. You can call it energy transition. And what you could be saying is the transition off of coal to natural gas. You could be talking about energy transition, meaning the movement to a decarbonized net zero society. Those are two things they could both be defined by energy transition, but ultimately they are completely different, kind of. So it was really interesting to hear him say, well, if I need to sum it up in a word, it's a fantasy because we're constantly transitioning. We're constantly in this state of flux and change. So the idea of energy transition really, really isn't anything new. It's just now a buzzword. And I I think it's, he also pointed out that the idea of a full energy transition is very difficult. And that's something we've all said as well. So I think it, I wanted to point that out and I want to have Matt on the show again to talk more about this because it is a, it's a, it's a heady topic. It's one that is fun to, to sit and discourse about. And more importantly, I think it is a good challenge for all of us who believe in, in pushing towards decarbonization and getting to a net zero society and getting to the point where we can be basically using as much clean energy as possible or as much low carbon energy as possible. So it's a, it's a fun kind of kick in the pants to say, let's keep going. Let's get this done. But with that, I'm going to jump into everybody else I recorded. Thank you all for joining me here. And in the show notes, I'll have links to all the guests, all of their, all of their companies and to the methane mitigation summit. This is a series put on by oil and gas IQ and they have two or three different events a year. I would highly encourage you if you're in the methane mitigation space, check it out and see if this is something that you would be able to attend. So with that, let's get into the interviews. Thanks everybody. And I will talk to you later.
recording live from the Methane <laughs> Mitigation Summit. Our, our first guest, for all of you just joining, I forgot to hit the record button. Our first guest is Mitch Jones, Applications Engineer from Cathari, Catharos Solutions. Correct, yeah. All right, I got it right the second time, Catharos Solutions. So, Mike, Mitch, sorry, Mitch, tell me, what do you do? What does Catharos do? So Catharos mitigates methane venting from pneumatic devices using liquid nitrogen, vaporizing the liquid into a gas and running the devices with nitrogen gas. All right, so you're replacing the natural gas or the methane that's in pneumatic devices with nitrogen. And conceptually that makes sense what the value add is there. You're not venting methane, instead you're venting nitrogen. As far as replacing that, are there any major issues or concerns or any, any I guess, inherent problems with putting in nitrogen versus the methane? No, no issues for swapping out the fuel gas for nitrogen. Operators don't have to change out any devices or tubing or anything. They just have to add a tubing line that you know meets up with our tank and connects to the tank. But in terms of pneumatic devices and valves, there's you know, nothing you have to do. The nitrogen gas is inert and it's not corrosive or anything. So no issues there. Very cool. Now, what about the, the hard numbers in terms of how much CO2 equivalent or how much methane are you saving from getting put into the atmosphere by doing this process? Yeah, so it really depends on the size of the site and how much they're venting initially, but some of the numbers, some of the sites we typically see are venting anywhere from one to five standard cubic meters per hour. And that, you know, can off the top of my head work out to around upwards of 100 tons of CO2 equivalent mitigated per year. Um, obviously, that goes up significantly as the methane rate goes up, but that's kind of a, a rough number. All right. Well, I think that's that's a pretty significant value there. 100 tons per or 100 tons of CO2. Thank you. And I think that's overall very just fantastic. Now, the last question I'm going to ask here, keep it quick, simple. What is and what does the energy transition mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to continue being able to provide power and energy to everyone around the globe. Obviously, oil and gas isn't going anywhere anytime soon, but as we start making it more environmentally friendly and transitioning to other technologies, we gotta be mindful of how we're doing that. All right, very good. Did you wanna ask me any questions? You don't no. have to, but you're more than welcome to. No, I think I'm good on that one. All right, well, Mitch, thank you for being a trooper. You had to answer all the questions twice because of my mistake, but thank you and I guess we're moving on to the next guest. Thanks for having me. The question is, is this on YouTube? It will be. Yes. Yeah, we'll put it on YouTube. We'll put a, we're gonna, we're gonna create some shorts out of this. Not the shorts you wear, the shorts that end up on YouTube. Do I know how to do that? No. No, but, no, but that's fine. So, now we have, Alec. we have Alex. Alec. Alec. Alex Schott. Shot. Shot. Alex Schott from 
Cunergy. Yes, sir. Representing Cunergy today. So, Alec, who are you? What do you do? What is Cunergy? Cunergy is a remote power Sterling engine uh, technology, zero maintenance, uh, helium filled, free piston Sterling engine. Helium filled. I know all about helium. It makes your, your voice get really high. Yep. Very fun. Um, that's, that's really cool. Now, what's the size of these, of these remote energy production sources? These uh, generators are about three feet by six feet, uh, maybe five feet tall. And how much energy, energy do they produce? 5.6 kilowatts. All right. To the customer. What can 5.6 kilowatts be used for in a remote setting? So we run a lot of cathodic protection where grid power is not available for the pipeline uh, protection. And we also run five horsepower air compressors to convert well pads from methane venting over to uh, air, air systems. Okay. And here you are at the methane mitigation conference. So that's that, well, methane mitigation summit. So that's a very interesting point that you can convert these from methane, methane pneumatic devices to air compressed pneumatic devices. But what is the, I guess, what's the source to run the Sterling engine? Uh, we use the readily available natural gas or propane at these sites. So that's a, almost a second add-on because typically when I think of off-site or off-grid sites, I think of diesel engines. Right, fact, those guys are having to bring in diesel every day, uh, creating a lot of environmental, uh, transporting the diesel and the environmental impacts that go with burning it. Yeah, whereas here, instead, you're, you're burning a cleaner fuel, and sometimes the fuel's on site. It sounds like sometimes you have to still transport it, but you're burning something that's cleaner. Yep, some customers like railroads who use this technology as a backup power source when the sun does not shine for their solar, um, mm -hmm. they'll use propane as a backup fuel. Very cool. So hard numbers here. Do you have anything that you could say is the, a case study or an example of how much CO2 you've saved from any individual site that you've done this, this installed one of these Cunergy systems on. Yeah, so collectively they've uh, offset all the cars in Ogden, Utah, which is where they're manufactured. Um, when we deployed a well pad, it's estimated that 60% of all their emissions at the well pad disappear once wow. we turn our system on. That's pretty good. It takes about an hour to deploy and 60% of the emissions are gone. Wow, that's really exciting. So the last question I'm going to ask you, what does the energy transition mean to you? Um, it means we need to start with the low-hanging fruit and start tri trialing technologies and start moving forward. Everyone's been uh, dipping their toes in, but no one's actively taking a, a leading stance in this space. Mm. So. All right. I like it. Time to start making investments uh, before, with or without the government. All right. Well, Alec, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for giving me that, that quick introduction to Cunergy. Did you have any questions for me since you're here? No, fantastic show. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you. Well, with that, I think we're going to try and get another guest on.
All right. Next guest, Gary Collins, general manager, EMEA of Nevada Nano. So, Gary, thank you for joining me. Tell me, what, what do you do for Nevada Nano, and what is Nevada Nano? Well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, so I'm responsible for the sales, but more importantly, supporting our customers and, and listening to what the market needs. Um, we're a sensor-based business that sell a range of, of different gas and uh, fugitive and monitoring mission systems. We've really been focusing in the ESG space for a number of years, so we've got some great HVAC and R solutions. We can detect hydrogen, and we also do a lot in the methane space. All right. That is, that's exciting. So, and I think it's exciting because one of the big themes that I've been hearing today is that, well, it's data, data, data. We need data, and we need that data and that monitoring so that we can actually make some type of change or some type of, of understanding to then make reporting and drive innovations and efficiency improvements. And it sounds like that's kind of what, you're, you're that key component, that first part of data collection. Well, I, I agree, and I think that our basis of our technology came out of Nevada State University and has always been a really rich data source uh, from a technology perspective. So we've got some real fundamentals to, to our technology that it doesn't need calibrating, it cannot be poisoned. Um, so that really adds a lot of value in, in a wide range of heavy industries. Um, and as we've matured and developed, we've found that we've got a great product for hydrogen, which is really important in the you know, innovation and, and you know, environmentally responsible approach to power. And, and we're seeing that used regularly. Um, but the, the data is crucial. And we've found that in this new IOTL world we live in, we can classify the data. So if we're looking at combustibles, we can tell clients what we're seeing and classify it in a very small, low-cost solution. So data is crucial and it informs decisions and it allows us to understand what we've seen in the past and how to do things better in the future. Hmm. Very cool. Now, I think that that's a good explanation of, of what Nevada Nano is, what that product is you have, and why it's, why it's valuable. I want to ask the question, what does the energy transition mean to you? So we're here this week launching our new uh, methane track solution, which is uh, an IoT uh, device that is basically providing a clear, solid amount of data for methane emissions, but it's a low-cost solution. So you will fix it to the wall, you will forget about it. It's got five years battery life, it needs no cables, it doesn't need calibrating, and so it's a really simple, no-hassle, refined, clever solution for this market requirement. And that data is then pushed through a LoRa gateway or an MBIoT cellular solution, and we will push that data up to the cloud so you can have an informed decision on what is your continuous monitoring, um, and that will give you short-term and long-term data. But more importantly, it gives you source-term estimation and quantification. Mm. I like it. Well, those are all the questions I have. Those are all the questions I'm asking everybody. Do you have any questions for me, Gary? 
Not at all. Thank you very much Not for your time. All. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your contribution to the summit. And looking forward to hear more from Nevada Nano later. Thanks, Joe. Really all right. appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Gary. All right. Well, our next guest on the live version of the podcast is Liz Arthur, Director of Technical Sales for Project Canary. So, Liz, thank you for joining me on the show. Um, who are you? What does Project Canary do? And, and, and those are, that's the question. Yes, well, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Um, Liz, I'm an energy lover. I jokingly call myself sometimes an RSG matchmaker. Um, I don't always apply those matchmaking skills to myself, <laughs> but in energy, I seem to be very successful. Um, and I've been with Project Canary almost a year now. Um, so we're at ESG, we're a SaaS company, um, but we have two very different sides of the business. Um, often they go well together. I joke the way that I like wine with my cheese, but they can be separate. Um, so one side, we lean into um, monitoring. Um, we lean into real-time data with continuous emissions monitoring, but also have become more technology agnostic. So I think we're lucky today to be sitting in a room full of a lot of valuable solutions when it comes to solving the very complex problems that we're being faced with now in industry. And then the other side is an environmental assessment in which we look well by well for an upstream or midstream company and provide verifiable attributes. Um, so at the end of that, an operator can attach a volumetric to the certificate and then you are free to take those certificates into the market and trade them as responsibly sourced gas or certified gas, differentiated gas, and all the other wonderful acronyms that have been developed the past couple years. Very exciting. Very exciting to hear <laughs> it is very exciting. what Project Canary is doing. Yeah. Now, here's a question that I have. It's going to be specific for you and Project Canary. Okay. As you add this certification or this, this volumetric mm -hmm. calculated validated number that you're attaching to the natural gas, what kind of, of economic value does that number have for, for those hydrocarbon producers? Yep. So I, I think even just one thing saying, I think this market is leaning into a space where you have to lean into transparency. So sometimes it is estimated on a basin level. Sometimes we can actually quantify depending on that choice for what sensor you're using or what company you're leveraging. It is what we say is we're moving into the measurement economy. So for what once was estimated 10 years ago when I was drilling wells at Chesapeake, they were estimates like all of these other companies now. Now we're moving into an economy that is asking for measurement. So having transparency to say this is an actual measurement at a facility level or this is an estimate by basin and giving the downstream market the opportunity to place value. So I don't ever promise a premium. Um, but we note every single time a trade with a downstream company, um, a utility, a buyer is made, we also notice that as well. So it's not a promise, but those are the tools that you need, having a third party come in to hopefully make that premium for your company and see also that rate of return on your investment. 
All right. I get it. And that's very helpful information to have. Now, I have a confession to make. Yes. I have had Project Canary <laughs> on the show before. Um, it was, oh, my gosh. Was it Caroline? No, it was, it was the Dr. Anna Scott. Do I love Dr. Anna Scott. I'm, yes. I wish I saw her more. I know. Why isn't she here? She is not here. She is here in spirit. I feel like she would wear a, you can't see me right now if you're listening to this, but I'm sporting a canary yellow blazer. And I feel like if Anna were here, she would wear one alongside me. I think she would. But she's so proud to have her as a co-founder. Um, so proud to have her as such an amazing woman, woman in the energy market. Um, and so she still does a lot of amazing things for us and is very vocal about what the canary mission is and how we're really trying to um, fit in and be a bridge in industry. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Now, last question I have for you. Yeah. What does the energy transition mean to you? Um, I think the energy transition to me means opportunity. I have so much pride coming from upstream um, and definitely understand the value of natural gas, um, you know, on a, in our country, in the world right now, but also think, I call it the Maya Angelou approach, you know, you do the best you can and we learn how to do better, you should. There are ways that we can apply that. So as all these new technologies emerge, you know, emerge, there are ways for us to do better as, you know, as an industry on the upside, you should. And so I think you know, the hard part about transition is sometimes it's very polarizing. Either I'm, you know, completely one way or the other, and it's unfortunate. I think there's a lot of gray in between, and you need good bridges that understand both sides so we can really come together to move forward to solve some of these problems. But, you know, the transition to me means amazing opportunities um, for everyone in this room and everyone that is, is trying to do better um, and still be a good provider of energy where we need it. Yep, absolutely. Well, Liz, thank you for joining me. Before, before you leave, do you have any questions for me? Um, you know, do you always go full bow tie or do you, do you have other accessories on these things? So whenever I am somewhere for the podcast, more often than not, I will have my bow tie on yeah. about 95 to 98%, but I don't always wear the bow tie. And I do have a day job outside of this. Okay. I am a geothermal geologist. Love so that. I'm out there looking at the subsurface, trying to find hot rocks. Yeah. And hot water. Usually when I'm doing that, the bow tie is only on if I'm presenting. I li and are those Broncos colors? That's my second question. On the bow tie. What's that? Are those Broncos colors? Bongo? You, Broncos. Oh, Broncos. You know, Broncos. No. But that no, was just the, they are not. That I was a from, happy accident. I am from the Chicagoland area. Yes. So... No, I am not a Broncos fan, yeah. and I will not be a Broncos fan. I am a Bears fan. <laughs> so, I'm glad we could still be friends. Yeah, we can still be friends, but, okay. Okay. but just know Bears are better. Well, thank you for having me as the second Canarian on this <laughs> show. I'm honored. You are welcome. Thank you for joining me. It was a blast, and, um, and, and that's that. And that's that. All right. Well, I think that is going to be it for this episode of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Please 
remember, if you're enjoying this podcast, give me a five-star rating, leave a review, tell me what you like, what you don't like, and as always, remember to keep it low-carbon and high-energy. Join us again next week for another low-carbon, high-energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.